All right, if you guys have your Bible, you can turn to Matthew chapter 5. And then, as is my way, I guess, through the Beatitudes at least, is there's also a psalm attached to this one, and that's going to be Psalm 12, verse 6. If you guys would, though, pray with me the prayer, and then we'll, we'll just kind of get into it today. Our Father, we thank You for this wise picture of Christ's life. Please reveal it to us deeply through Your Holy Spirit. Teach us to listen well, learn well, and live out that knowledge. Renew our sight, refresh our hearts, and grant our desire to seek and follow You. Jesus, help us live our lives for You. Amen. This is Matthew 5.8. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. In Psalms 12, 6 says this, The words of the Lord are pure words, like silver refined in a furnace on the ground, purified seven times. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. I would love for God's face to shine on us all. Amen. I would love to feel His light on us and let us know that we are following Jesus and let us know that we can walk with Him every day. I would love for Him to show His face and reveal His ways to us all. And I would love to one day meet Jesus face to face and I would love to hear Him say, well done, my good and faithful servant. Not only for me, but for each and every one of us in this room. This beatitude seems to give a timeline for when this particular prayer or this particular thing will be answered. And that is, um, the timeline is throughout our entire life. And what I mean by that is, blessed are the pure in heart. Well, for how long? Is, is, do you have to do this? It seems like this pursuit of having a pure heart is a lifelong pursuit, almost more in like a moment to moment pursuit more than some of the other Beatitudes. It seems to be like a refinement process that won't be completed until we see Jesus face to face in glory. And this is a this is something that is a big deal to Matthew. In fact, it's a big deal in the, in the whole of Scripture is our hearts. Our hearts are mentioned over 175 times in the New Testament. Matthew is actually more than uh, Mark, Luke, and John. It's mentioned more in Matthew, but it's also over 700 times in the Old Testament is our heart. God cares deeply about the condition of our heart. He cares about our actions, absolutely, 100%. But more than that, and Jesus is showing us, He cares about our heart and how we live out our hearts. Um, Some of the scriptures are this. We are to love the Lord our God with all our heart, our soul, and our mind, and love our neighbors as ourself. But where your treasure is, there will also your heart be, right? Out of our heart comes evil thoughts. Murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false witness, and slander. Our hearts, in Scripture it says our hearts can grow cold or be hardened. Or our hearts can soften or even catch fire. Our hearts can draw near to Jesus or feel very distant from Him. Defilement 
that comes out of our mouth, where does it come from? Our heart. But you know what also comes from our heart? True forgiveness. We can confidently, we can act confident in a thing like, yes, I'm doing this with positive confidence and yet still have doubts in our hearts. We can have words and actions that don't reveal our hearts and our lives. Amen? This happens all the time, both positively and negatively. We can deceive ourselves and others at times. In fact, it says in the scriptures that the heart is also deceitful above all things. It's hard to know anyone, anyone's heart, let alone our own heart. It's, it's impossible to know someone's motives or someone's intentions. And this idea of intentions is actually what heart means. Like, what do you intend to do? What is that, that inward motive? We can, trust, um, we can trust that another person's motives will be good, but we don't really know it right? We don't really know what's in there. It's often hard to know our own motives or well. Maybe it's hard not to have mixed motives. Like if we do something positive, we know it's going to be bring benefit for us, even if we do something positive towards someone else. But if we've li- if we live long enough, we've had motives um, uh, assigned to us at times or in our actions that are not true, right? Think about the person who cut you off in traffic. And what you say about them in your heart or your mind. Is it true? Did they mean to be a jerk to you? Ah, maybe they did. I don't know. People can say that, uh, that you did something in malice with selfish intentions. And you know in your own integrity that this isn't true. That you, you walked before the light of God and you did this out of the goodness of your heart. And whether they received it that way isn't up to you. And you can go about it. Or you can do something kind for somebody. And that person can say, you have a great heart. But inwardly, you know that you did it for selfish reason. You did it so that you, could, you just might gain whatever it is that that benefit would bring you. And you know that it wasn't actually for that other person. It was rather selfish in the way that it was done. So when we are talking about the heart, this is what we're talking about. The intention behind the words that we say and the actions that we take. We are, taking, uh, we are talking about what it is, what is the intentions that we have. Are our intentions pure? Do we have pure intentions? Do we uh, let the love of Christ rule in our hearts? Which is what scripture asks us to do, right? Let the love of Christ uh, and the peace of Christ rule in our hearts. Or do we let doubts and fears rule our hearts? Or do we do both? Do we store up like wonderful things that the Lord has done for us in our hearts? Or do we store up malad, malice and resentment? Are we thankful at all times just being wonderful uh, or, or feeling like, God, your salvation is so wonderful? Or do we complain and are we just selfish in our motives? Hebrews says that we should draw near to God with a pure heart. That is a heart that is clean. Blessed are those whose heart is pure, which pure means totally clean. Like it's spotless. It could mean, uh, it, it, it could mean once dirty, but now spotless. And that is what we are to believe or to think about purity. That is spotless, undefiled is another word that's in there. Pure. Just 
pure. Undefiled would suggest that it has never had anything wrong with it to, to begin. But this idea of purity in, in, in Scripture, there's a ritual that comes with it. Look at the Old Testament. Look at the way it comes into be. It has this religious side to it and a ceremonial display of cleanness in a way where they clean their bodies, they clean their hands, and you can't, you can't be clean without the ritual, even though God intends for that to be our hearts. In the Old Testament, this would have been done with sacrifice at the temple or the place where God assigned for sacrifices at the time. To clean you from any wrongdoings that you made in the past, however long since your last sacrifice, and to offer that blessing going forward. But the priest who offered the sacrifice had cleansing rituals to even be able to handle the offering. They had certain steps that they had to go through just to make sure that they could handle the offering. Not only that, but in the temple there were baths so that you could clean yourself before going to your sacrifice that the priest is offering for you. This was outward, and, but, and God cares about that. He wants us to do that, but he cares more about the heart. The action was supposed to remind you to clean your heart before God as well. Clean your hands, yes. Clean your body, yes. But clean your heart as well. There are many uh, rituals that document this over time that help clean us. Different, different religions do it different ways. For, uh, for us, as we look in the Old Testament, it was done through a sacrifice that was made, the blood that was spilled, or the sins that were sent off into the desert. But sacrifices were made and there was ceremony about it. But that is what helps make people pure according to the Old Testament. But for us, this cannot be done without Jesus. This cannot be done without Jesus. We cannot be pure, not in our heart, in our mind, in any of us, without the sacrifice of Jesus coming over and being in our lives. Our hearts, if we are honest with ourselves... Our hearts have mixed motives, and we need to be purified by Jesus. Jesus came into the world knowing that our hearts would not be pure, or that they would not be undefiled by the sin that is so rampant in this world, and that we would have some defilement, and we'd have some deceit in our hearts, and he came to give us his way, and he came to give us his purity, so that we can live like he did, including the purity of heart. Jesus is so concerned about giving us a new heart that he came to earth, he lived, he breathed, he walked, he washed, he bathed, he died for you and for me. Jesus' heart was pure. And then the coolest thing, this is one of my favorite verses in scripture that we're going to talk about here in a minute, but like he gives us his pure heart. He says, hey, this is what I have for you. I'm going to take your I'm going to take your defiled heart and I'm going to give you a clean heart. 2 Corinthians 5 talks about this in detail. And if you'd like to look that up later, you can look up the, the, the whole of it there. But it talks, about, it talks about that Jesus is concerned with our whole heart. He's concerned with our actions, absolutely, but he's concerned with our whole heart, how we believe, what our intention is. This scripture has to do with the changing of our hearts, but the changing of our hearts so that our lives can be shaped by Jesus. In verse 21 of 2 Corinthians 5, it says this about Jesus. For our sake, he made him, 
to be sin who knew no sin so that in him we might have the righteousness of God. In this context, Jesus took our filth and he gave us his cleanliness. This verse is referred to by Martin Luther, called it the great exchange. Jesus took our uncleanness and he gave us his purity. He is the only one who can perceive the hearts and minds of mankind and he did it all the time if you read in scripture. He can see straight into our hearts. He can see yours sitting here today and he can see mine. And he alone knows if our hearts are pure and are turned towards him or if they're resisting him. He alone knows what they are and what they are not because he made our hearts and he wants our hearts to be pure and he wants it so desperately that he came and knew sin even though he never sinned. He knew impurity so that we might become the righteousness of God and he might give us his purity. See, now in this, if we seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, then we have a pure heart. Amen? This is what we get to do. This is what we're practicing doing. If we repent from the ways where we're not following Jesus and then follow Jesus and then allow Jesus to give us a new heart, then Jesus has given us his pure heart. This pure heart is only made possible through the sacrifice of Jesus, through his shed blood for us. And we get to receive it by faith, receive this pure heart by faith. But the other thing that we get to do is live it out in faith as well. We get to recognize it as a gift of grace. The purity of our heart is not something that we could have accomplished. It's it's just not. In fact, we get get to praise Jesus for his salvation and the purity that he has given us. And we know that Jesus is our purity. And so we desire that he might purify us as we live this life for him. We don't want to forget the grace and go on into our defiled hearts and keep living in that defiled state. We want to strive to live out the calling of purity that Jesus has placed on us by his great love, by his great sacrifice, by his life in exchange for his. This is where purification comes in. We know in faith that nothing is more pure than Jesus. Amen? And we strive to be like Jesus, and we strive then to be purified so that we might look like Jesus. And by God's grace, our hearts can change. It's a hard thing, but this is true. And I believe that God can change hearts and shape our lives. And I'll be honest with you, this is why I preach. I know that it's not my words that do it, but it's the reminder to us every week that Jesus did this so that we might have some benefit here on earth of his love and his grace and that we might be representatives of his goodness, his grace and love to those around us. This is why I preach. So that we might look more like Jesus, not only in our own hearts to just be a blessing to him, but so that others around us might know Jesus as well, that we might be purified by Jesus. I included Psalm 12, 6, because I believe that our hearts are in the process of being purified to look more like Jesus. Our lives are being shaped by this purification. We want to see God, don't we? We want his face to shine on us. We pray that we might see his kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. We long to see God. 
If we are following Him, that's what we want. But 12, uh, Psalms 12 verse 6 says this, The words of the Lord are pure words, like silver refined in a furnace on the ground, purified seven times. Now, I'm not a metal worker, and I don't want to pretend to be. But I've been in church long enough, I've read enough Psalms, and I've read enough in Scripture about metal working, and I've watched the Discovery Channel, where is where you learn everything, right? So I've learned that metal is not pure from the ground without going through its own purification ritual. Metal is heated up, it's melted, and then all that is not made of that metal rises to the top or is burned off and is taken away. And if, if uh, purity is desired, then the process is continued until there is nothing more rising to the top that needs to be taken away. And it doesn't have to be seven times. This idea of seven times in the Psalms is the number of completion. Right? It's so the words of the Lord are pure like silver refined until it is pure silver. There's nothing else boiling to the top. Let me ask this. Do you have impatience ever boil to the top? We don't have to raise our hands, right? Do you have some sort of selfishness boiling to the surface from time to time? Do you have a bit of greed that keeps coming into your life where you just need more and more and more? Is it something else? I don't know what it is for you. Is it anger or lust or maybe your need for control or maybe indifference that keeps boiling to the top? But what are the areas that we can look at of impurity that keep coming to the surface as we strive to live for Jesus? Because there are some, amen? If we're being honest, there are some. And we know that we already know through the Beatitudes that we are in need. Maybe they're being revealed so that Jesus can scrape them off the top and continue the process of refinement in your life, in your heart. Jesus wants to purify us. He wants us to look like him. To bring forth the good and godly work in our lives, then we, you know what we get to do? We get to submit to the process of refinement. This is not easy work. It hurts. There's tons of tears. Sometimes you think all the, the greed or anger or lust is gone and then it, it's being refined and it comes to the surface again. This purity will not be achieved in our lifetime. But as long as that pure impurity keeps coming to the surface for us to deal with through Jesus, it means that we are being refined. And this is the process that God has for us. And refinement isn't easy, but it's a reminder of the goodness that God is still at work in our life through the life of Jesus by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. And we must decide in our hearts to allow for this refinement. It will change us. It'll change our hearts. It'll change our minds. It'll change our actions. Refinement will do all of this in our lives. And as we desire to see God, then we get to work towards a pure heart. We get to do this work on our hearts because this will change us. And we work on our hearts as Jesus brings it up in our lives, just like that refinement process to purify us.
It'll change, if we allow Jesus to do this in our lives, it'll change the way that we view people. It'll change the way that we live at work and the way that we live in our homes. It'll change our actions. It'll change the way that we deal with our money. It'll change the way that we deal with our time. And it'll change the way that we deal with all the gifts that God has given us because this refinement process is purifying us and it'll change us from the inside out. We can resist this work. And all of us do this from time to time. There's stuff that remains on the surface, but we don't want to deal with it. We might not even necessarily recognize it at the time, but Jesus is working to purify us. He's working on our hearts so that we might see God and act in a godly fashion as his witnesses of his love and his grace in this world. And as we submit to this refinement, it will change how we pray, how we fast, how we serve, and how we give. We won't be doing this from a religious standpoint, but just out of our love for Jesus because Jesus will change us. That's what he says he's going to do. And if we allow him to, he will do it. He speaks the pure word of God into our lives. And the words of the Lord are pure. That's what the scriptures tell us. And we get to receive this purity spoken over us. Certain words, when we understand them, give us the power to live by them. It's a beautiful thing. There are words... These are words that God speaks over us throughout our life. And he speaks over us through the life, the death, the burial and resurrection of Jesus. Words that are so important that we know and that are ministered to us that he left his Holy Spirit here to remind us of who we are in Christ, who he's made us to be. We are the pure words of God that he speaks over us more than we are the, the refuge that we sometimes believe about ourselves. Just like when, G, when God, when Father, Son, Holy Spirit spoke creation into being, let there be light. And what happened? There was light. God created the whole world through his words. And just as he spoke creation into being, we receive these words and let them have the same creative and changing effects in our hearts. That's what we get to do. There's a, I'm going to go over a few words because time would permit us. You can go through the scriptures and what Jesus says we are, that's what we are. He's speaking God's truth into us. But one of the things that I love and I love the scripture, I love this idea, his banner over us, his word over us is love. This is one of those words that he is constantly speaking into our life and reminding us of, and that is love. All that Jesus did for us was through his love, his love for the Father, his love for us. Jesus wants us to know and believe that we are loved. And I pray that we may love, uh, that we may understand love and let it deepen our hearts and let it do a creative thing there. May we feel loved. May we act from the great love that God has given us. May we know from deep in our core, not just our mind, but deep in our hearts and in the intentions that we are loved by God because this word that he speaks over us is a pure word and it's love. Another pure word is forgiveness. 
And I love this word because he says you are forgiven because of the work of Jesus, that Jesus died on the cross for us, that this means that none of us are perfect, that all of us, every single one of us has missed the mark of perfection, which is the very definition of sin. And God, over and over and over again in Scripture, because of the sacrifice of Jesus, tells us that we are forgiven. And as we know this deeply, as we live from a place of being forgiven, then you know what we're able to do? Forgive others. Forgive ourselves. If we know that we are forgiven from a heart level, from a from this pure word of forgiveness, then we will live a forgiven and a forgiving life that Jesus has for us. Another word that I've really fallen in love with this year, that's a pure word, is salvation. Now Jesus saves us from all our sins and all our unrighteousness, all our idolatry, all our uncleanness. He saves us on the cross, amen? He does this. But Jesus saves us from things that we don't even know are there to attack us. This word of salvation is a word that God has spoken over us in faith through Jesus. And it does create in us. You know what it creates in us? Praise. It creates in us worship. Jesus saved me. Jesus is still saving me. Jesus' salvation is at live and at work in my life. And his salvation is a good thing. And Jesus, may we praise you for this pure word and this pure work of salvation. God, will you please speak it over us? And he does over and over and over again through scripture. I pray that... God, we may allow God to speak these pure words along with the others that we don't have time to mention. That we are saved. And that we know it. That we are loved and we know it. That we are forgiven. These are not my words. These are the words that scriptures speak to us that God says is in our life, in faith, through Christ. We are loved. We are forgiven. We are saved. And in that, we say, thank you, Jesus. So with that, Lord, let us see you. We want to see you. Let our hearts be made pure as your heart is. Jesus, I pray that we may submit to your refining process. May we believe in the great work that you are doing in our hearts. Change us, Jesus, by the power of your Holy Spirit so that we may look more like you. In Jesus' name, amen.